Hey, welcome to the AOL Podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message with Pastor Travis Bennett. We heard at man camp last weekend that enemy, when he whispers in your ear, he may be loud as a lion, but when you turn the light on, he's a mouse with a microphone. Back to 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant, for the enemy, the adversary, roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I want you to get this in your heart right here. When I was a kid, third grade, lift my hand, and I say, can I go to the bathroom? And my teacher would say this, can you? I'd say, yeah, I can right now in this chair if you don't let me go. But the English teacher was trying to get something inside of me saying, no, you ask permission. You say, may I go to the bathroom? Can I tell you, in order for the enemy to come in, he has to have permission. Seeking whom he may. Everybody say may. May devour. So may means this. He has to have permission in order to do it. So I want us to us together say enemy no you may not come on let's do it one more time from on the inside of you you've got the line of the tribe of judah in you and say enemy you may not i feel like we got to do it one more time come on did we come to have church this morning or just sit in a pew come on say enemy no you This morning. Oh, that's for somebody. That's for somebody. Open your Bibles, John chapter 6. We're going to stay standing for the reading of the word and we're going to dive right into our text. It says, John chapter 6, verse 15. Then Jesus, knowing that they were going to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and they got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was already dark, and Jesus had still not come. How many of y'all know when things are dark in your life and Jesus is not there? How many of y'all know it's a scary situation? Verse 18, the sea was getting rough and rising high because a strong wind was blowing. Then when they had rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and approaching the boat, and they were frightened. I love it that John sanctifies his text like he wasn't afraid because in Matthew's gospel, they said it's a ghost. But John's like, oh, it didn't scare me that bad. But Jesus said to them, it is I. I am. How many of y'all know he's not the I was, but he is the I am? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He said, do not be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board the boat, and immediately the boat reached land to which they were going. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Thank you that there is an anointing in the room that breaks the yokes and bondages of sin and death. And so, Lord, I just pray that there is an anointing on this word today. And I pray, Lord, that my lips would be like the pen of a ready writer, not of what my flesh wants, but what the Spirit of God has to say. We speak to those storms in our lives. The waves may be higher than our head, but I declare that they're under our feet. 
The waves may be higher than our head, but I declare that they are under our feet. And this peace of God that surpasses all understanding, we guard our heart, guard our mind. Lord, do in this place what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, before you're seated, if you have seen the uh, inspirational building up, exhorting movie, Tombstone. There's a part in there where they just had a gunfight and Sherman McMasters comes to Doc Holliday and he says, where is he? And Doc Holliday says, he's down by the creek, walking on water. And then he says to him, he says, well, I hope he has another miracle up his sleeve. Doc Holliday comes back to him and he says this, uh, he, he's not looking for revenge, he's looking for a reckoning. Can I tell you, he still has another miracle up his sleeve. Can I tell you, Jesus is not looking for revenge. He's looking for an awakening. He's looking for a shakening. He's looking for a reckoning. Not only in your life, but in this country. So before you're seated, look at two people and say, he's still walking on water. He's still walking on water. Amen. Praise the Lord. But you may be seated. Praise God. Well, it's good to have mom and dad back in the house with us. Come on, give them a hand. Welcome back to paradise. They just left sunny Florida back to the beautiful, luscious Amarillo, Texas. Hallelujah. They say that Amarillo is the Orlando of Texas, so you came to the right spot. Praise the Lord. Well, how many of y'all just happy to be in the house of the Lord today? And then it feel good to be here? Uh, I, I want to share with you, we're in the middle of this series. The Lord put on my heart of here's your sign. And, and if you haven't been here, you can go back and listen to him. I really broke it down in the first message of, of talking about here's your sign. But uh, in the book of John... The, uh, the clearest picture of God is Jesus. If you want to see God, you see it in a, in, in, with a face and with a bodysuit in Jesus. And if you want to see the greatest picture, I believe, of Jesus, you see it in the book of John. Because in John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we've been talking about a sign. And the first miracle that Jesus does, uh, taking the, the water and turning it into wine... At the very end of that text, it says, this is the first sign that reveals his glory. And so we've been looking at these signs that are particularly in the book of John. There's eight stories in there that really point the picture of who he is. So it's not just, not just a miracle, but it's a lesson inside of the miracle of what Jesus does. And so if you look at this story in John chapter 2, the very first miracle Jesus did at the wedding of at Cana is he turned the water into wine. It's not just a miracle that he did that. But it's a miracle, the fact of what Jesus does. The lesson inside of the story is he takes dirty, nasty things and he makes them new. He takes things that everybody has thrown away. They were in these, they were in these stone pots of this water. This is where the, 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 the couple would purify themselves after they consummated the marriage with this water. People wash their feet, their hands, the places you've gone, the people you've touched, the, the, all the things that you regret, your shame, guilt, condemnation, and he turns that into something that is valuable. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? 
Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God? Aren't you thankful that there's people in your life that will never forgive you? But God said this, I forgive you as far as the east is from the west. It's something about the precious blood of Jesus that takes us uh, 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 something so messed up and it makes us white as snow. Amen? And then the second story looked at the lesson that we see in the healing of the nobleman's son is that Jesus is attracted to honor. The Bible says that he goes through his hometown and he skips past that because they just see him as a carpenter's son. But when he gets to the place, when he gets to, when, uh, Dobi Origato, Mr. Rabato. <laughs> the Bible says when he gets to Galilee, the Bible says that they welcomed him. And there's many miracles. You look through all the miracles that Jesus did. There's a handful in Jerusalem. There's a handful in other places. But the Bible was very clear that in the place of Galilee where there is honor, that there was something unlocked in him for the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the mute to speak. And, and so where there is honor, he, it unlocks something for him to do. So that's the lesson inside of that. Last week, if you're here, we talked about uh, the healing of the man at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years. Not only is it a miracle... That the healing of the nobleman's son of what happened, but we see the lesson in that. But then we get to the guy for 38 years, and it doesn't matter how long you've had something over your head. It may be a decision that you made 38 years ago. It may be a pain inside of your life. It may be whatever it is. God has, the giant may be bigger than you, but it's not bigger than God. And so the lesson inside of the story is he goes to the, he goes to the man at the pool of Bethesda for 38, 38 years, and he says, do you want to get made well? He says, get up, pick up your mat, and follow me. The thing of it is, Jesus, he's painting a picture to us. He doesn't just want to rearrange the furniture in your home. He wants to destroy the house and build a whole new one. And it doesn't matter what you've gone through in your life. He wants to build a firm foundation in you. And so as we look at here's your sign today in John chapter 6 and verse uh, uh, verses 15 through 21, we see, I believe there is a lesson inside of the story of not only what he did then, but he's the same yesterday, today, and forever of what he's still doing today. Can I get an amen? He's not was a water walker. He's still a water walker. And I want to tell you, if he walked through the water, he will walk through the water with you. And he's not called you to stand in fear and drown, but he's called you to walk through the water with him. And so we're going to get to that in a moment. But how many of y'all have ever gone through something in your life where you said this didn't go as planned? Any show of hands? All right. 25 honest people in the room. But if you've lived life any day or you've gone through Monday, you have said this before. Well, that didn't go as planned. It was several years ago, 2010, I had gone to Africa with Pastor. We'd gone over there for for a couple of weeks ministering the gospel. And I came back, I had a fire in my belly about going back and wanting to take teenagers. So we set it up with Pastor Kenny in, in, in uh, South Africa. We're going to take a trip with kids and some hosts with us, some adults, and go to Mozambique. And so I had met with some kids for about six months. I was uh, at leadership classes, also telling them all the events of what would happen. During this time, Pastor Brandy was pregnant with our second child. And in December of that year, we're going to leave like the 1st of January, right after Christmas. In December of that year, uh, she had a miscarry. Uh, she miscarried the baby. And that was, that was really hard on us. Uh, we were hurt, and there were was, was some emotions that were going on with that. And um, I remember leading worship, and I saw Pastor go over to, to Pastor Brandy, and I could see him talk to her. Well, she wasn't able to go because she was pregnant over to Africa, and the shots that you have to get, and all that uh, 
stuff going over there. And he said, the Lord put it on my heart that if you want to go to Africa, I'm going to pay for you to go. And so she said, yes, would love to. I mean, what a blessing. And so anyways, uh, we're, I'll never forget it. She's now on board. She really doesn't know what's going on. I have all of the information, have, have been communicating with all these people that are going on our trip to Africa. We, get, we fly from Amarillo to, to Dallas. We get to Dallas, and we're about to board the plane to Atlanta, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, Johannesburg, South Africa. And as we're getting on the board, the, the American flight or the Delta flight from there, from Dallas to uh, Atlanta, the person behind the desk says, sir, your passport only has 90 days left on it. I said, well, I'm not going to be there 90 days. I said, every country is different, but the country that you are arriving into with customs, they expect for you to have 120 days left on your passport. I said, well, what does this mean? You guys sold me the ticket. I sent you my passport. You know all of this stuff. They said, sir, you can't get on the plane. So already, Pastor Brandy being hurt, already a little bit emotional, still about losing this baby. I say, Pastor Brandy, you're in charge over all these kids. <laughs> Person behind the desk tells me this. They said, you can get a passport overnight. You just got to fly to Houston, Texas. You can get one the next day. It's a Saturday. I call our friends, uh, the Trices at Maranatha Church, Mount Bellevue, Texas. Call them. Hey, would you pick me up? Went to church on Sunday. Got my picture Sunday afternoon. They were such a blessing to me. Clothed me, fed me, did all kinds of stuff because my baggage was who knows where at this point. And so here I am in Houston Monday morning. Pastor Mark drops me off downtown Houston. I get my passport. I go to the airport where I'm dealing with Delta, which means don't ever leave the airport. And as I'm... <laughs> The whole time I'm talking back to Pastor Brandy in South Africa, saying this, saying, hey, I'm going to be there. Hey, this is what's going on. This trying to give her information of what is happening. When she leaves me in Dallas, I mean, it was terrible. It was like, no. I mean, it, it was terrible. But Clint McConnell was there. I told a funny story this morning. Clint McConnell, they were on the air, airplane, and somebody came up to him and said, you guys together? And Clint goes, no, we, we actually left our spouses back home to go on this trip. And he's like, wait, that sounded terrible. <laughs> she goes, yes, it did. Okay. But I'm talking back and forth. Hey, I'm going to be there. Well, it turns out I'm at the airport that night, Monday night. I can't get on a plane. I'm coming back to Amarillo. It did not go as planned. You know, this is when, when storms come into our life, this is exactly what we think. This did not go as planned. When you're going through a storm, and at this time, how many of y'all have ever been in that place before where you said that this did not go as planned? Let me see some honest people now in the room, all right? Now, I don't want you to look at your spouse when you raise your hand. That would be terrible. But maybe you're in a job right now, and you're saying, you know what? This didn't go as planned. Maybe you filled up with gas this morning, and you said, this did not go as planned with this economy. Maybe you looked up your stocks in the last couple of weeks, and you said, you know what? This did not go as planned. Maybe there's some things that the enemy's tried to come in like a flood with your kids and inside of your kid's life. And you're saying this did not go as planned. Can I tell you this? You're never going to be so spiritual that you won't face a storm. You're never going to be so spiritual that you won't face a storm. There's going to be times in your life where there is going to be rough waters. There's going to be times in your life where you don't understand where the waves are coming from, but they're coming in like a flood. But in this particular story, it didn't go as planned. Can I tell you, because of that storm, I believe God did something in Pastor Brandy that she wouldn't trade for all the tea in China. 
Because there was a point in our ministry for all the practical things she would do, the spiritual things she would rely on me, but there was something that broke inside of her that she had to step up in due time and due season. And rather than collapsing in fear and sinking to the bottom, God stepped her up into a new anointing where she could walk across water. And so did I as a dad being with Addison when she was like four years old all by myself. So it was good for both of us. Can I tell you this? Storms come and storms do go. I'm going to say that again. Storms do come, but storms do go. Every storm, write this down, every storm eventually runs out of rain. Every storm, you may be going through a storm right now, and I just want to tell you this. Every storm eventually runs out of rain. I want to tell you and declare over to you, this too shall pass. And I'm believing if you're going through a storm this morning, I'm going to declare over you that you won't just survive the storm, but you will thrive in the storm in Jesus' name. Come on, do we have any water walkers inside the room? I'm going to say that one more time. Do we got any water walkers inside of the room? But pastor, have you seen this country? We have was, words and he, hymns, and she, that's. We have an economy. We have all of this stuff that is happening. Yes, I do to answer your question, but I'm saying this. God will see me through, and God will see AOL through, and God will see you through in Jesus' mighty name. I know this about a storm. It may be out of my authority, but it's still under God's authority. A storm may be outside of your authority, but it's under God's authority. You may be in a storm, but don't let it get on the inside of you. That's the perk this morning. I hope you take away from this because a storm can really push you into a better place. But if you're not careful, it can wound something in you and you can retreat where the storm was to push you to where you're supposed to go and be who you're supposed to be. So we're talking about a sign. A sign is a miracle with a lesson. I want you to look at this story. What is he teaching us? God can sustain us through the storm. And God wants you to walk through the storm. So I'm declaring over you before I even preach my message this morning that the love of God will be our foundation. The joy of the Lord would be our strength. The hope of God would be our found, our anchor, sorry. The peace of God would rule inside of our hearts. And you will not drown in the storm. Is it all right if I preach this morning? I'm a little excited. And I've had some caffeine. But I want, I want you to have eyes to see by the Spirit of God. I want you to have eyes to see and ears to hear because you may think that the storm that you're going through, it's just by happenstance, and there's nothing good that can come from this storm. But can I get, want to give you some perspective? Storms are really good for you. You know what a storm can do? A storm can give you new direction. Like you may be going in one direction with, with some friends and you... With this particular person, you go through a storm, and God gives you eyes to see and ears to hear. And you're like, I was going this way, but now I'm going to go this way. And because of that storm, you now look at the people that are in their life and how, how they've been really affected. But because of the storm, God gave you wisdom to go a different direction. And you could have been, it might have been bad, but it could have been a whole lot worse. Are you hearing me this morning? You know what else a storm, I believe, how it's good for us is that it gives us necessary correction. We've been through some storms here at the school. 
AOL Christian Academy. We've been through some storms, haven't we, Pastor, here at the church? That because of that storm, we corrected something. And I'm thankful for some storms that I've gone through in my own personal life because I learned my lesson through that not to do that again. A storm can bring correction. Storms also are good for you because they nurture perfection. There may be some things that still are a little bit rocky and, 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 and you, you were hesitant on the decision that you made, but you went ahead and did it and you went through a little rocky place there where some waves were creeping up over your head. But you know what? You got it fixed because of the storm. It opened your eyes to see and now it's perfect the way it's supposed to be. So there's some things this morning that I, I want two things that I want to take away from the story. And the number one thing is this. You need, when a storm comes, you need to lean into the storm. The sea was getting rough and rising high because a strong wind was blowing. Then when they had rowed three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea, approaching the boat, and they were frightened. They kept rowing. Uh, the reason I almost said walk in the storm or row in the storm, but I said lean into the storm because I believe I'm sitting in a room full of Amarillo people. And how many of y'all know when the wind blows 90 around here, if you walk straight up, you will have your back broke. How many of y'all know there's some days that we've had here in the spring that you've literally, N-E-M, N-E-M, have got to lean in to the storm. My whole point is this. When you're going through a storm, you've got to keep moving. Because if you stop, it will paralyze you. It'll get you still. It'll make you retreat. It'll make you go backwards. Look what Jesus said. He said, it is I. Don't be afraid. Why did Jesus say it? It is I. Don't be afraid. Because they were believing the worst. They were believing the worst. Can, I'll just say this right out the gate. You, when you go through a storm, you can't let your foundational response be fear. Your foundational response can't be fear. In Matthew 14, I said it just a while ago, and John sanctifies his story here. He doesn't talk about it, but in Matthew 14, they say it's a ghost. Now, if you read commentary about this, there is discussion that's taught that there was uh, some demonic activity that, that were on the, the beaches there. And they felt like, you know, it was like the Chipacabra of Mexico or something like that. There was a make-believe thing that was inside of the region. And so they thought they saw ghosts. But it was a couple years ago I was reading the book of Mark. And you know Mark 4 is the storm. Mark chapter 5 is the demoniac. When he gets on the other side, it's the demoniac. And he, caught, and he cast 6,000 demons out of legion, and he puts them into the pigs. Where do the pigs go? They go to the Sea of Galilee. So I'm sure these guys were watching those pigs go down into that water. Now they're inside the water, and it's dark, and a storm is there. They ain't seeing people. They're seeing haunted, deviled ham pigs. <laughs> I mean, y'all know it was doing something inside of their minds. It's like that devil had to go somewhere. It went inside of the water. And so those pigs were inside of there, and it was always messing with them. But, but my point with all of this is this. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God is not giving you a spirit of fear. So God is not giving you fear. I've taught on this many times before, but of power. Everybody say power, love, and a sound mind. So the first thing that he gives us, God doesn't give you fear. The enemy gives you fear. But he gives you the opposite of fear to combat fear. And the first one is power. How many of y'all know there is power in the name of Jesus? 
to break every chain. How many of y'all know every knee must bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it. They're made safe. There's power in the name. There's power in your praise. Amen? There is power in your praise. There is power in your worship. There is power in prayer. There is power in being a room full of saints. Amen? Forsake not the assembly of God. Uh, assembly of saints together. And so, um, so there's power in that. But the second one is this. Most people think that the opposite of love is hate, but really the opposite of love is fear. What does it say in, in 1 John chapter 5, or sorry, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 18? It says, perfect love casts out fear. So the opposite of love is fear. So you're going to live on, under one of these two foundations. You're either, you're either going to say, you know what, God loves me and he's with me, or it's fear and it's a ghost. Say that one more time. You, you're going to live under one of the two foundations, under love, which says God loves me, and he's with me. If God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but none will come near my dwelling place. Or it's out of fear, and it's a ghost. Can I tell you this? You'll either parent out of a spirit of love or a spirit of fear. Can I tell you, you, you will be a spouse to your husband or to your wife out of a spirit of love or a spirit of fear. You'll, you'll, you will run your business through a spirit of love or a spirit of fear. You will go through the season that we are inside of this dark country right now through a season or through a spirit of fear or a spirit of love. I'll never forget the phone call I got 2008. Y'all remember it here. The same deal. The economy was crashing. In 2008, we had craters in the earth because it was so dry. Y'all remember that? It was super, super dry. Well, a friend of mine, who's another horseshoer here in town, he calls me, and he just gloomed despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. He hadn't shot any horses that day. He asked me if I'd shot some. I'll never forget it. I'm driving down the road. He said, do you see what's going on? He said, inflation is high. Hay is high. Feet are hard because the hay is so high and it's so dry. There is no hay. People are going to be selling horses. And because they sell horses, then we don't have a job. And the list goes on of how it just circulates. It's a domino effect of how everything. And I remember being on the phone thinking, O-M-G. Do you think the Lord says that? He doesn't say that. He says, O-M-Me. But he says, <laughs> that was a corny preacher joke. You don't have to laugh. But, <laughs> but I remember that phone call. How many of y'all know fear will freeze you? And I remember, I, you know what? I got this decision. You know what? There is holes in the ground. I know it hadn't rained. I know that uh, it just looks dark right now. But I remember being inside of my pickup, and I said, you know what? Uh, I'm sinking. God's called me to be a water walker, and he will sustain me through this storm. And if God be for me, then who in the world can be against me? And he will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You may not have no work, but God will supply and sustain me through every storm that may come my way. I may have to lean into the storm, but I'm going to keep walking and I'm going to keep going. Can I declare to you that in 2008 that God blessed me? 
The very next phone call, I'll never forget it. Well, not the next phone call, but it was that evening. I got a phone call from a feed yard north of here with 30 head of horses that I didn't have before. I tell you, that's how God works. That's how God works. How about in 2020? When we didn't know what was going on, it's uh, essential workers or decentral workers or, or, or we, you know, if you worked at the liquor store, you had a job, but if you worked at a daycare, you didn't. It made no sense. Everything was turned around. I remember phone calls and talking to people, but can I tell you and declare to you, not only 2008 did God bless me, but in 2020, it is the best year to date that I've ever had in all my life, shoeing horses. People were stuck at home, needed their horses shod. Praise the Lord. I'm an essential worker. But I'm just here to tell you this, that there may be storms all around you, but it doesn't mean that you can't walk through them. Jesus is teaching, teaching us right here. I walked on the water, and if Pastor Ty, he taught us very well. John 14 and verse 12, he said, even greater works shall you do. And so I just want to declare to you this morning, he said, I walked on the water, and greater works shall you do. I walk through the storm, and so can you. I walk through the valley, and so can you, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, listen, it doesn't mean that when you're going through the valley, you build a foundation and build a home. You go through the valley. Come on, we go through the storm. Quit building a house and camping out there. It's time to go through it in Jesus' name. He's painting us a picture right here that we go through it. The storm may be over my head, but because of the greater one on the inside of me, it's under my feet. I'm going to say that again. Write it down. If you're not taking notes, go ahead and write it down. The storm may be over my head, but because of the greater one on the inside of me, it's under my feet. And I want to declare to you, water walkers this morning, you will not drown in the storm. You will not drown in the storm in Jesus' name. Joshua 1.3 says this, every place... That the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. You know, you look this up in the Hebrew. He's not talking about land and dirt. He's talking about every place. If you're on the moon, this means you. If you're on Venus, this means you. If this means you're going through a storm, this means you. If you're in some shaky ground, this means you. If you're around some big waves that look bigger than you, this means you. Every place. The Bible says in Romans 16, 20, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So if you're in a storm this morning, I want you to keep walking. If you're going through a storm this next week, I want you to remember, I need to keep walking. I need to lean into the storm. If, my, if the job that I have that I do not like... I'm going to be uh, submitted. I'm going to use wisdom. I'm, I'm going to use discretion. And what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to lean into the storm. If I'm in a marriage right now that is cold and we were separated in our emotions that we're not seeing eye to eye, what I'm going to do is, is I'm going to lean into this storm. If there is something that's going on with my kids that I may not understand, I believe I'm going to lean into this storm because I'm not walking alone, but God's walking with me through this storm in Jesus' name. Keep walking. Keep leaning in. Don't stop praising. Don't stop coming to the house. That's leaning in. That's leaning in when you keep praising. That's leaning in when you keep coming to the house of God. That's leaning in when you keep praying. 
Every storm has an expiration date. You might, you've got to outlive it. And I hope you leave with faith this morning that even in the storm that I'm going through right now, I'm going to outlive this storm. And I'm not going to complain about the storm. I'm going to bring the ship in. And I'm going to do what God's called me to do and be who God's called me to be. And can I give you some advice? When the storm is over, in your marriage, when the storm is over in your finances, when the sun starts shining and the birds start chirping, don't keep the storm on the inside of you. I see people all the time, the sun's now shining and God's done a miracle, but there's still lightning happening on the inside of them. You want to be set free or do you not? When the sun comes out, you've got to let it go. Here's number two. I better get to my next one. Number one, lean into the storm. Number two, choose to have peace in the storm. Now, it's one thing to get across the storm. It's another thing to have peace while you do it. It's one thing to go through the storm, but it's another thing to have peace while you do it. You know, I... I heard something at man camp again. We, we heard something last weekend. There's, there's not winners and losers in life. There's only choosers. Say that one more time. And I believe this with all my heart. There's not winners and losers in life. There's choosers. Because you could have lost at something because of a storm, but you can still have peace and be a winner. Don't wait till it's over. You can have it through it. Don't wait till it's over. You can have it through it. Bill Johnson said this. This is a great quote. Peace is not the absence of something, but it's the presence of someone. Look at this story. Jesus said, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were willing to take him on board the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land to which they were going. What What brought them peace? Jesus. Now, I, want you, I, I really want to break this down and teach for just a second because sometimes we think that this peace is just going to come over you and you're not going to have to do anything about it. Can I tell you, it's what you do that unlocks what God can. And in Proverbs 4.23, he says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. Philippians 4 says, and the peace of God will rule your heart. So is it what I do or what God does? Yes. My answer is yes. Well, is it, is, is it your, your solution or God's solution? The answer is yes. Hey. It's what I do or what God does. The answer is yes. Oh, I hope you get this in your heart. It's like this, you can't, you, you can't expect to go to bed at night. I have a ritual that I do that before I even get in bed, I go upstairs, I make sure that the kids are in bed. I go downstairs, that we have two different, we have a, a, a metal door and then we have a regular door and I deadbolt the metal door. I mean, it's like Fort Knox. I go through, I make sure all the doors are closed. Any way that somebody can get in, 
there is there's no getting into the Bennett home. That's me doing my part. Do I sleep with the peace of God? Yes. Would I sleep with the peace of God if I didn't do that? No. It's things that you do in the natural that unlocks God in the supernatural. Now, I'm going to get further into this text, but I can't expect to have my doors open and complain about the possums. We saw a possum on the way to church this morning. Big, nasty one. And if I have possums, can I tell you this? Some of you are, you're, you're declaring peace. The peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God, the peace of God. But you've got all kinds of doors open in your life. Come on, I'm talking about sustaining a storm. You've got to do your part and God does his. When you honor him, you unlock something in him to do what only he can do. Are you hearing me this morning? You got, are y'all hearing that? John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 1. Jesus, in, when, after he meets in the upper room with his disciples, he goes to 14, 15, and 16. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about chapter 14, how the Holy Spirit remains close. Chapter 15, uh, he has a calling on your life. Uh, Chapter 16 talks about the job assignment of the Holy Spirit. But the first thing that he opens up with in John 14, verse 1, he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You know what, what he's saying right here? He's saying, don't allow your heart to be troubled. You know what troubled means? I looked it up in the Greek. It means to stir up. It means to shake up. He says, don't allow your hearts to be shooken up. Now, I talked about I've, there's a will on my part in order to walk in the peace of God. I first got to do my part in order to unlock his. And the reason that I'm bringing this up, he's saying, hey, don't allow your hearts to be shooken. And st-. What would happen is if you took a Coke bottle and you shook it and 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 then you open it up? Can I tell you this is exactly what some of y'all do? You allow your hearts to be troubled and you shake and shake and shake and then the family comes over and you spew because you open the Coke can and it goes over everybody else and then you're mad that nobody else comes back to the family reunion because you spew on everybody. Jesus is saying this, don't allow your heart to be troubled. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. Can I tell you this? We, we, stir, we stir it up. If you are on social media, you're getting stirred. You know what? I, at the first of the year, the Lord really put it on my heart. I do have Facebook still on my iPad. I don't have it on my phone. I don't have in, uh, TikTok, Instagram, any of those things. Because it's amazing to me, one comment of somebody that I don't even like and see how stupid they are, it bothers me the rest of my life, day, the day. I'm like, how ignorant. Don't judge me. You do the same thing. And here's the deal. I need to get off Facebook because some of y'all, I need to hear from God and cast devils out of y'all because when I watch it on there, I don't feel sorry for you. I want to go beat you up. (laughs) I see miracles all the time on Facebook. I've never seen the blind eyes see, but I've seen the dumb speak. I have seen that. All right? It's just like watching the news. I don't care what, what news station you watch. You get 10 minutes of information, and you get 55 minutes of them stirring the pot. 
You know that phone call of that person that calls, as soon as you get it, you're like, oh, I'm about to get some dirt on that couple on Tawny Street. That's my neighborhood, whatever your neighborhood. Maybe it's Monroe, maybe it's Bell Street. But you know. And he's saying, what is Jesus saying right out the gate in John 14, 1, talking about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit can help you, but you can't allow your heart to be stirred, shaken up. And what do we do? We surround our people that shake up. We get on to teenagers for drama, but can I tell you, adults are the same way. Hurt people, hurt people, and we get, around, we get around these people and we shake it up. I'm just here to tell you. He's saying, don't allow your heart to be stirred up. You do your part and I'll do mine. Like you may be going through a storm right now, but don't bring other people inside of your storm because it will only make the storm worse. They got their own storm to deal with. Let God grab them by the hand and take them through the storm. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and I'm not bringing any other people in with me. Are you hearing me this morning? The choice is yours. And then he gets to John 14 and verse 27. John's, John 14, 27. Oh, man. Well, Actually, you can't end 14.1 without going on. He says, don't allow your hearts to be troubled or shaken up. He said, believe in God and trust in him. What is he saying? He's saying, your peace will grow when your faith grows, when you believe in me. So then it gets to verse 27. He says, but peace I leave with you, my perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. He says it again, nor let it be afraid. Can I tell you, there's God's peace and world's peace. There's God peace and there's world peace. There's God wisdom and there's world wisdom. Can I tell you something about God's peace? God's peace is easy to get and hard to lose. But the world's peace is hard to get and easy to lose. God's peace It's easy to get and hard to lose, but the world's peace is hard to get and easy to lose. Think about this. The world's peace is hard to get and easy to lose. What is the world's peace? The world's peace is circumstantial. If I got the car, if I got the house, if I got her, if I got him, if I got the kids. But how many of y'all know you can gain the whole world and lose your soul? Not what I said, but what Jesus said. All of those things, they're hard to get. You got to work and work and work and work and work. But Jesus said, my peace I freely give you. But you've got to unlock the door in order to do it. Are you guys getting something out of the word this morning? Gosh, I hope you are. That the storm you may be going through, it may be bigger than you, but it ain't bigger than God. And he doesn't want to just sustain you. He, he wants you to thrive in the middle of it all. God's peace. He's keeping you in perfect peace. Can I tell you this? Talking about peace, you can feel peace. How many of y'all have ever experienced something before? You're like, I don't get it, but I am so peaceful right now. Like you lost a job and you're like, man, I don't get it, but I'm like, it don't make no sense. But I'm peaceful. It's like the story in Mark chapter 4. He stood up in the boat and he said, peace be still. 
Can you imagine what they were feeling when it actually did calm? I remember being on uh, Lake Hubbard Creek when I was a kid, and there was a big storm coming. My dad, we were throwing jig baits and catching bass, and my dad stood up and said, peace, be still. And I said, Dad, I think it's still coming. But there was still something on the inside of me was like, yeah, let's talk to that storm. Peace, be still. You can feel it. We've gone through some things inside of our life and our marriage with kids and all kinds of different things. I'm not going to freak out because my first response is not going to be fear. It's the love of God. And when you have the love of God, peace comes along with it. Peace. So, so, So you can feel peace. Number two, can I tell you this? You can speak and give peace. Let me talk to the parents. I'll write a book on parenting in 20 years, and I have not arrived in parenting, but I see this way too much with parents. So much. Especially now us having the school and what's going on here when I was a youth pastor. Can I tell you, you can either bring peace in your home or keep it from coming into your home. Like, I'm not, kill, I'm not t- telling you your teenager is a liar. I'm just saying they're a liar. They come in and they blow a story completely out of proportion. It's way, way, way big. And what blows me away is when parents believe every single detail of that story. Can I tell you, even with like little kids... Even with little kids, turn that down just a hair, just a hair, not a lot, just a hair. I still like it impactful, just a hair. There we go, right there. Even with with little kids, can I tell you, you can either bring peace into their conflict or you can make the conflict bigger. I don't know about you, but I want to bring peace inside of the Bennett home. I don't know about you, but I want, during the middle of their storm, I mean, y'all know our kids have storms, and we need to teach them to be the upper hand that even in the middle of their storm, they can still have peace. They can still have peace. I know that phone call didn't go the way that you planned. I know that coach had said this, or he may have been favorited to, to that other person and not you. I know that, that, uh, that kid that you go to school with, they've said all these hurtful things, but can I tell you, even in the middle of this, God will walk with you across the water. You can speak peace. Amen. You can give peace. How about parents? Let's give peace. Grandparents, let's give peace. Let's declare peace. You can speak peace. Matthew 10, 13. And this is what I want to do this morning. I want to declare it. Matthew 10 and verse 13. It says this. Jesus is speaking and he says to his disciples, he's sending them out. He says, if the family living in the house is worthy, welcoming you and your message, give it your blessing of peace. That is a blessing of well-being and prosperity, the favor of God. But if it's not worthy, take back your blessing of peace. You know what that tells me? If a home is honoring of the word and of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can declare peace over that home. Numbers chapter 6. There's one more thing that I want to share with you before I'm done this morning. Man, I hope you got something out of the word today. 
I hope you saw a sign inside of this story today that you can be going through a storm in your life and God will sustain you through that. That the waves may be bigger than you, but you can stand. It can be under your feet. But in Numbers chapter 6, let's stand to our feet. Numbers chapter 6. I'll read it to you. You can hold your place in your Bible if you'd like. But we declare this over you almost every service. We say, may the Lord keep, bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you and give you peace. But in Numbers chapter 6, in verse 23, he said, this is the way you shall bless the Israelites. The Israelites were people of God. If you're a people of God, lift your hand. Amen. If you don't have your hand raised, I'm going to give you an opportunity to be a people of God at the end of this service. But this is the reason we declare number six over you because he said, this is the way you're to do it. Verse 24, the Lord bless you and keep you, protect you, sustain and guard you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you with favor and be gracious to you, surrounding you with loving kindness. The Lord lift up his countenance, his face upon you with divine approval and give you peace, a tranquil heart and life. So Aaron, listen, this is my favorite part right here, verse 27. So Aaron and his son shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Woo! He said, when you do this, I'm putting my name on it. And so what I'm going to do this morning, if you'd allow me to, how many of y'all going through a storm this morning? Just lift your hand. How many of y'all going through a storm this morning? Just lift your hand. All right. How many of y'all just came out of a storm? Just lift your hand. All right. If you had your hand raised, I want to declare this over you. He said, I want you to do it because I'm going to put my name on it. I'm going to speak peace over you. And I believe when I do that, Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace, will come upon you and your household in Jesus' name. When I speak peace over you, I believe that he's going to put his name on it. That means Jehovah Jireh, which is our provider, that he will supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When, when I, I'm going to speak peace into the room and declare it. And I believe that I, as I do that, that the name of Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, will bring healing into this room in the mighty name of Jesus. I declare it over muscles, tendons, ligaments sinuses, internal organs, high blood pressure, dissipate and die. Come on. Back pain, shoulder pain, elbow pain, head pain. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Vertigo has to go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So as I speak the peace of God, I'm believing. He's saying this. I will put my name on it. I will put my name on it. I will put my name on it. How many of y'all want the name of God on your home, on your household, on your life? That everywhere my foot goes, I will be there with you. So lift your hands if you receive this. God, I pray right now, I declare the love of God be the foundation of these people's homes. I declare that the joy of the Lord is their strength. I declare that hope is an anchor over their life. 
I declare that peace will sustain them through the storm in Jesus' name. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So, Lord, we fix our eyes on you. Our hope is in you, and we declare, I speak faith in the room. Even as small as a mustard seed would say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be cast in the sea, and don't doubt in the heart and be done for them in Jesus' name. Lord, it may be bigger than us, but it's not bigger than you. It may have been around longer than us, but it hadn't been around longer than you have. And so I declare the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus of Nazareth, Lord, I declare your perfect peace. You said, don't let your hearts be troubled. And so, Lord, with every hand lifted in this room that I declare peace over, I pray, Lord, that we make the decision to unlock the peace of God in our life. Lord, we choose not to trouble our heart. We choose not to stir up those things that, God, your hand is not on. And so, God, we repent. We give it to you, and Lord, we choose to let our confession line up with our heart. And we speak those things that aren't as though they were. God, do what only you can do. God, these that are going through a storm right now, minister to them. Minister to their heart. God, may we be like Peter and reach out and say, God, if you walked, I want to walk too. And so, Lord, I pray right now across this room, water walkers. Not boat talkers, but water walkers. Not boat talkers, but water walkers. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We pray that you heard from God and that this message was for you. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps us reach more people with this message. Arena of Life takes pride in connecting to God, to church, and to people. And we want to connect with you. So don't forget to check us out on all social media platforms, to check out our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and to download the Church Center app and to choose Arena of Life as your church. And a special thanks to those who make a difference by giving generously. You help us change lives and produce weekly content like this that reaches the world. If you're interested in partnering with us, you can give by clicking the link in our bio through the website arenaoflifechurch.org or through the Church Center app. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and we'll see you next week.